Oh, I love having family. <laughs> you know, not having family is a very, very lonely lifestyle. Because family is more than just blood family. Sometimes we can't control or pick our blood family. How many know that? How many have one of those uncles or aunts that you just couldn't choose? No. But we can pick how we respond to our family. No matter who and what they've done, we can choose our response to the family. We can also pick our church family. There's a lot of churches in this valley, and you that are a part of this family have chosen this family to be a part. Or if you're visiting here, then you've chosen the family you're with to be a part. If you have no church family, then here's a good church to be a part of. It's a good family. Because our heart is to learn how to do family correctly and wisely. It's not so much a, a glory club. That's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in in our leadership team is learning to do family better. And how many of you know that whatever age you are today, you were older or younger yesterday. And the day before you were younger than that. So each day we're getting older. And scripture refers to age as wisdom. Not all wisdom. God, Jesus Christ is the man of wisdom. But it refers to um, as elders get older, they should be getting wiser. As we get older, we should be getting wiser. What is wisdom? Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it correctly. So wisdom is. So if you actually are making good decisions and they're being fruitful and profitable for your situation, then you actually have wisdom in those decisions. But you don't have wisdom when you're making decisions that are constantly not working out well. That's called knowledge. You might have knowledge, but you don't have it applied wisely. But that's the same within the gifts that God has given to us. We have five gifts that Jesus Christ has given to us. The five gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And though Jesus Christ has given the gifts to the church. Why? Because Jesus is the groom of the church. Now, some people don't like the word church anymore. Hey, you just got to get over yourself. You got to get over your past hurt and pains because pretty much all through scripture, there's an implication as to why the church is relevant every, time, every day this earth is alive. Every day you're alive on this earth is a relevant reason. And there's two words in church, and you hear me talk about them. One is ecclesia and one is oikos. Oikos is the family, the gathering together. That's what we're doing here. Ecclesia is a governmental structure that is not a Christian terminology. And Jesus Christ used it because he was bringing his kingdom to earth. And he wanted a governmental structure in his kingdom established on this earth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, has a governmental structure on this earth. It's one of the reasons that, that, that the scriptures are very clear that the foundation of the church, the ecclesia, are built on the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as a chief cornerstone. And so that's a governmental structure that really the denominational systems of, of years gone by are actually against the apostles and prophets, more for pastors. 
And the reality is, is there's a co-laboring together of the five-fold ministry gifts that has to establish itself. But then God also gave us nine gifts of the Spirit. And I want to touch a bit on the nine gifts of the Spirit, because these gifts are given to every one of us. They're actually given to the unsaved and the saved. God knew you while you're being formed in your mother's womb, Genesis 1.5. And he sanctified you. He sanctified us. So he knew before your free will chose him, he already sanctified you. He prepared you and gifted you already. And so the unsaved out there are also gifted. They have the gifts. But the unsaved are applying them and using them more for self-promotion or for the promotion of the enemy. Thus, the fivefold ministry functions that way and the nine gifts of the Spirit function that way. Thus, we have some great prophets that are on the dark side. And they can read your mail all for the glory of themselves and for the devil. But you see, all the gifts, both fivefold and nine gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that Jesus Christ gave us, the five, the nine gifts of the Spirit, they were all given to everybody, but God wanted to see who your free will would choose to use them for. And so sometimes we get excited. We got a gift. We got to use it. Got to use it. Praise God. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the using of these gifts. How do we use them wisely? How do, we, how do we take this gift and expand it and grow it? And then what is the gift for? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, we are established through Christ Jesus, And God has anointed us. Verse 22, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So in other words, what's being said here is, I have anointed you, God says, I have anointed you with my Spirit as a down payment of what is yet to come in your life. So I have anointed you with my spirit. Jesus Christ, my son, created an opportunity. He created a way, and that way will always lead to his righteousness. And in that way, you are anointed with the Holy Spirit. Not for yesterday, that can't change, but for today, every second of your life. He has anointed us with his spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are like a down payment on your future. You see, the gifts of the Spirit don't give you identity. They're a down payment for your future. But so often we struggle with our identity. We see a a miracle worker. We see something and we want to be just like them. And so we go after just what they do. And we sit in a hotel room or we sit in our home or we sit in a... I live in a trailer right now. We sit in a trailer... And we just watch over and over how that person ministers, how he preaches, how he does these miracles. We read all the past history books about the revivals. I've read them all. And then we start to come with a a mentality, well, this happened then, but it's not happening now. Actually, it's not supposed to happen what happened then. It's supposed to be happening bigger and better now. 
And so if we look back at the history books of revival and some of the great men and women of God is to instill us to go deeper and farther, but not to compare ourselves with them and not to compare ourselves with each other. Is to drive us into greater things. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They're going to see visions. There's going to be dreams happening. There's more opportunity of his spirit in our life today than there was yesterday. It's increasing. It's being poured out. That's a continuation word. It doesn't say it was poured out. It's being poured out on all flesh. In the last days. Oh, well, maybe you're a preterist or a partial preterist and you believe that 70 years A.D. and that was the end of the world and now we're in the new earth and the new heaven. However you want to look at it, I'm not going to say yay or nay to your understanding. But I'll say one thing. The Holy Spirit, if this is the new heaven and the new earth, we better be looking a lot better. And you better not be waiting for everyone else to change. You better be changing yourself first. Because if you expect everyone else to do the changing to change you, then you're selfish. And you have an identity crisis. The reality is I can't expect my wife to change me. I have to change from God and become more Christ-like. It changes my life. And then it changes my opinions and ideas of my wife. Since you are chosen by God and loved by God, then you are gifted by God. Everyone in this place has been chosen. Look to your left and say, you were chosen by God. Look to your right and say, I'm not sure. No, 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 no. Say, you've been chosen by God too. You've been chosen by God and you've been loved by God. Because you're loved by God, then you're gifted by God. The devil can't gift you. The enemy can't gift you. You can't even gift yourself. Oh, I can do it without God. And you know what? Some of the greatest inventors are unsaved. But you think they figured that out themselves? There is absolutely no way, Jose. The dictionary describes a gift in three ways. Something given voluntarily without payment in return. As to show favor towards someone. A gift is to show favor towards someone. A gift is something that was given to you voluntarily. You didn't deserve it. You didn't buy it. It's just given to you voluntarily. To honor an occasion. This is the dictionary described gifts. Or make a gesture of assistance or a present. The second thing the dictionary says about gifts. Something bestowed or acquired without any particular effort by the recipient or without its being earned. The third thing, a special ability or capacity. A talent. Natural endowment. All of these are relevant and true about the spiritual gifts God has given to his people. One, God chooses to give without payment. Two, he shows favor to his children. And three, our gifts are meant to honor God and bring glory to him. That's why we have gifts. You see, the gifts aren't ours. They originally were his. And he just transported them to us. 
But as soon as he gave those gifts to us, they've now become ours for him. Because everything in God and everything in the kingdom, all the gifts, everything that is done will always bring glory and honor back to him. If we're not operating in our gifts with the glory and honor going to him, then we're operating in his gifts given to us with the glory and honor going to man or woman or the enemy, which is man and woman without gods. Our gifts are not meant to be used selfishly, but for the benefit of others. This is a big one. So often, people come with their gift. They want to try their gift out. And sometimes the area that they're trying it isn't ready to receive it. And they take an offense to it. Or they get hurt. Or they get depressed. And what I need to encourage us is, just because someone isn't open to your gift doesn't mean your gift is wrong. What actually could possibly be happening is that you are so immature in your gift You didn't use the knowledge wisely on how to open up a heart before you blast them with your gift. It's like someone standing up in the middle of a church service. They've asked to bring a word. They're not even part of the church, but they have their prophet from God. And they, I've got a word for your church. Who are you? Does not matter. Well, it does to me. I've got a word for your church. Who covers you? God. And who else? Who on earth helps you? God and Holy Spirit. Well, praise God, I can take Scripture and justify that exact thought. I can manipulate the Word of God in such a way and camp out on one side of theology and become a dictator amongst you. And if you don't listen, you're sinner. Or I can take the fullness of the Word of God in context. And I can look at it and I can say, whatever happened to wise counsel? Whatever happened to don't approach an elder by yourself? Always bring two or three together and come and talk. It's like there's, there's culture that we just seem to forget. Yeah, but I'm this, I'm that. But someone, so then we say, no, you can't give the Word. Again, let's say they're not from this church. And so in the middle of preaching, they stand up and start reading out the word. We had it. Anybody remember? We've had it a few times. And I thank the Lord. I've got a a team of leadership around us here that quickly grab them and sort of escort them out. One of the words, remember, someone stood up, two people stood up and... 24 hours, your your whole church and ministry is going down because you don't have love. You're preaching the devil and all this junk. And and, No, it's three days. In three days, you're going to lose the whole ministry. It's literally going out, belly up. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the day after, day two, day three, day four, day five. I think that was a bad word. One. Because the whole culture was wrong. You see, we have to have a culture in the family. 
a culture of truth, the Word of God, honor amongst each other, and integrity in our lives. Real, really, if you don't have a lot of integrity in your life, then we should actually be cautious of the words given. I'm not saying they're wrong, but cautious. Uh, the guy just got out of murder and child abuse, and he's beating his wife now, and all this junk, and hey, I've got a prophetic word for you, Brent. Yeah, I might not want to hear right now, but I'll tell you what, here's my team. Could you write it down and send it to us so we can pray over it? Not because I'm scared of what he has to say, or she, but because the culture is out of the kingdom. It's not the right kingdom culture. Sometimes we need a mirror when someone gives us a word. Speak it to the mirror so you're speaking it to yourself first. And if it makes you happy and cheerful and feel good, then it might be actually a really good word because that's called prophecy. Encourage and exhort each other. Hmm. Our gifts are never meant to be used selfishly, but for the benefits of others. If your gift overrides kingdom culture, it overrides honor, what's honor? The, the culture of the house. When I go into all these different countries, I don't bring my, my Canadian way of doing it into every country I go to. Matter of fact, Paul says, while in Rome, do as the Romans do. So what, what you don't want to do is bring Canada culture into all these other countries of traveling and how I do it here, I'm going to do it here, even though I know it's out of order in your house. It's completely selfishness. It is completely not the will of God. If I go into someone else's house, I sit there in the culture of honor, listening and receiving. And if I even had a word for leadership or something like that, I would give it to them privately. Why? Because I honor what they're doing. I might not be in agreement with everything they're doing, but I honor them as believers of Jesus Christ. They might not be getting it right all the time because I don't get it right all the time. And neither do we here at the Windward. We're growing. I've never lived this day until today. I'm learning as much as you are. I hope more. I hope you're learning more than me. Surpass me. That's your victory. That's your call. But you'll never surpass me. Why? Because we're here to empower you, to lift you up, to go higher. And that is part of our call and our destiny. My sons and daughters, they'll surpass me in many things but they're never to surpass me as being their dad and their father or grandpa to my son, grandchild, my boy. I'm already buying candies. <laughs> Wind them up and send them home, amen? They love grandpa and grandma. It's a bad word, he said. I should be speaking that privately, shouldn't I, Chris? <laughs> if your gift overrides kingdom culture, or your gift is above others in your mind, 
then your gift will become a distraction. And a distraction will always create division or cause separation amongst the brethren. You know how many gifts have caused division. Every single denomination is out there. Every church, new church start that's out of a, or an independent church. Even parachurch organizations, most of them started on division because they couldn't get any churches to agree with the vision God had given to them because so many churches are so center-focused on themselves that they can't see the rest of the world that's dying. And they want to build a glory club. And as long as you keep paying for the glory club, they're all happy. (laughs) That is not my heart. If that's my heart, it would be easier just to go join another church. Our heart is not to be a glory club. Our heart is a gathering of a family where his glory resides. But I'm not in it for his glory. I'm in it because of his glory. Listen. I'm not in it for his glory. I'm in it because of his glory. I'm not in it for his presence. I'm in it because of his presence. I'm not in it for his love. I'm in it because of his love. I'm not even in it for victory. I'm in it because of victory. Oh, but I got to come to church. I need to get pumped up for the rest of the week. No. I mean, if that's the season you're in, it is. But the reality is that if you don't get pumped up, you're going to blame the church. Or if they try to pump you up and you don't want to get pumped like that, you're still going to blame the church. Don't ever let your gift override the culture of the kingdom. Because if you do, your gift's not an honor. It's a dishonor. And dishonor is an anti-kingdom and an anti-Christ spirit. God in his awesome majesty, sovereignty, all-knowingness, gave everyone gifts knowing very well that many are going to be sinners and use his gifts wrongly. But knowing that some are going to know him and use his gifts wisely. So if we don't use them with mercy, grace, and love, then we're not using them for God. If your gift is not being overwhelmed by mercy, grace, and love, then chances are the gift isn't coming from God at that moment in time. Oh, man. I'm preaching up myself, guys. I walked through. I started experiencing these gifts and prophetic gifts. And, and boy, I was good at manipulating them. I was a salesman. I ran corporations. I became the top salesman at 20 years old for selling yachts in downtown in Granville Island, Vancouver. I made the I was making four times more sales than salesmen that were 30, 40 years in the business. I won the award at the Vancouver Boat Show year after year of the top salesman in my early 20s. I could sell you a boat in the middle of the desert. It was fine. (laughs) 
because I used all the ploys that I could possibly use without putting your arms behind your back and taking your other hand in a pen and say, sign here. Man, I said, you guys are struggling in your marriage. You've told me that, but a boat's going to help bring your marriage together. Look at our beauty out here. Look at the coast. It's beautiful. Your kids. And the kids are like, yeah, dad. Yeah, mom. Yeah, it'll help your marriage. Signed. Another boat deal. I got it back in a year, but it was, it was, at least it was sold. And so it's easy for us, some of us, especially us. Some people say I'm a type A driven individual. My wife's saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know what that is. Don't worry. It looks like maybe me or something like that. It's easy for me to manipulate you. Not all of you, because some of you are just like more manipulative than me. <laughs> because some of you have been so badly hurt, you're not going to get manipulated again. But what sometimes happens is because of that pain, you stopped having ears to hear and eyes to see because it starts a culture of dishonor instead of honor. And then everything becomes about a two-hour service on a Sunday morning, but the rest of the week is nothing. No. This two-hour service Sunday morning, let me tell you what it's for. It's not to get your money. You can give midweek. You can go online anytime you want. Maybe you should pray about it tonight at midnight. And maybe God can keep you awake until you actually give what you're supposed to give. Oh, boy. You're like, oh, Brent, I'm glad you're gone to Israel next Sunday. Maybe the Holy Land will change you a little bit. My wife and I fly out next Sunday, so we're excited. Our first time. We're going with our Russian churches. Collusion with the Russians. And that's, that's real news, not fake. We're colluding with them, and we're meeting in Israel. We're going to collude on how to win Russia for Jesus. So we go on a seven-day tour, which is going to be awesome. We're we're going out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee and eat a fish. Wow, come on. I'm expecting so many fish to come in our nets that it's going to sink their boats. And then I'm going to walk on right back to the shore on the water. And then, three, the, the, then after seven days of tour, three days, there's conference going on at the Red Sea in Tiberias. Tiberias. No. Well, that's Sea of Galilee. Where are we going? Red Sea. It's the tip of the Red Sea. Look on the map. I don't remember the name of the town. But we're going to, like the Sea of Galilee, we're going to, like, the Black Sea, are we? Or just the Red Sea? Oh, the Dead Sea. Can't you float on the Dead Sea? That's where this comes in handy. I've become the floating, floating whatever. I don't want to say a floater because that's a kind of not a bad, good thing. But anyways, so <laughs> move on. All my leaders are saying, move on, move on. 
as Chris Volantin would say, put the helmet on, you're diving so fast. Put the helmet on before you hit the ground. Save your life. Anyways, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, and then we're doing that as a conference. And I'm going to be ministering in the conference and, uh, for three days, and then they all go back to Tel Aviv, and Sharon and I are staying an extra four days, three nights. We actually didn't even know it, and I think I told you this last week, but didn't even know it. It's a, name, a new nitty city name just north of Tel Aviv, but it's actually on, uh, it, it used to be called, back in the Philistine, like all those eras, the Plain of Sharon. It's going to be our hotel on the Plain of Sharon. Anyways. We do not earn our gifts. They're given to us because of God's mercy, grace, and love. We can't earn them. He's already given them to us. But they will always base themselves on God's mercy, his grace, and his love. So if we don't use them with mercy, grace, and love, then we're not using them for God. If our gifts become, it has to be spoken or else, then you're actually not using grace, mercy, and love. The spiritual gifts given by God are special and beyond our own natural gifts or talents. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes about the fact that each of us has been given a spiritual gift. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's interesting, um, when you go into this... I'm going to just jump back to verse 1. Let's just pop to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 first. I just want to say this. This is Paul saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The interesting thing is that word gifts is not in all the original text at that point. And so Paul's saying, Now concerning the spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So everything he's talking about in these next verses of this chapter are actually about the spiritual. They're about the supernatural. That's what the word spiritual means. So then we jump on down to verse 4. There's diversities of gifts, but all of them are spiritual, supernatural, okay? There's diversities of gifts, but that word gifts actually is charisma. And it means gratuity. It means deliverance. It means deliverance from danger. It even means deliverance from your own passions, Because not all all of our own passions are the passions of God. It means endowment. It means religious qualification or objectively miraculous faculty. So therefore, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The same spirit. Verse 5. There are differences of ministries... You see, you can't be doing ministry correctly until you're first operating in the right spirit with your gifts. So now you're operating with the right spirit in your gift. Then verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Not the same spirit. The same Lord. Why? Because the spirit brings everything back to Jesus. Brings everything back to God. And that word Lord means what 
do you worship? It means Lord, the Lord, the Lord of all. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. If we don't operate in the right gift and apply it the right way by the same Spirit, the Spirit of God, then we're on the wrong side of the fence with our gift. But if we do, then... We start to have differences within our ministries. But since we're already operating the same spirit, now our ministries are operating with the same Lord, the same commander-in-chief. And because we're operating with the same spirit and the same Lord in our ministries, now we have phenomenal diverse activities using the same God. Who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for each one, the profit of all. Not a profit for the profit of all, for the benefit, the blessing of everybody around you. If your gift isn't blessing them, watch out where you're getting the gift or using the gift. That's why we, it's hard for the, the old covenant prophets now who are just prophesying, preaching, doom and gloom. They they forgot that Jesus Christ changed it. Oh, I can prophesy that there's going to be an earthquake in California. I can tell you that right now. I've looked at the San Andreas fault line. I've been on it. You can see how much it moves every year. Yeah, that fault line runs right up our coast. Guaranteed I can prophesy There's going to be an earthquake in B.C. Of course there is. It's just the way the earth is created. But the problem is, is when I start prophesying, and the Lord says, thus says the Lord, there'll be an earthquake, and he's going to destroy everybody in Vancouver for their sin because of their Sodom and Gomorrah lifestyle. You know what I do with those prophecies? Quiet. Because if it's that bad, which it is, we've got a job to do. In the new covenant, we actually are the fixers of the problems by preaching the gospel and taking it in. How many of us have gone in to fix Sodom and Gomorrah? God can do what he wants to do. I just want to say, if you prophesy a doom and gloom word and it doesn't come to pass, then you need to shut up. Go back on Facebook, go back on the internet, go back on television, go back to write another book and apologize profusely. The level that you spoke the word out that didn't come to pass should be more of a level you should ask for repentance and forgiveness. Verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another who work, who, to another the working of miracles, to another prophesy, prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them each to each one individually as he wills. Not I will, not you will, but he wills. Do we believe that? Each of us has a role in the body of Christ to play. If we miss the role, then change. Become the people we're called to be. God has given us spiritual gifts to build the body of Christ, to build his church. We need to become the change of what's needed in the church. You can't look at me to change everything. You can't look at Kevin and our leadership. You can't look at your neighbor to change everything in this church, this family, this gathering of people. You have to become part of the change. Because too many people just sit back and complain about the issues and the problems, but they actually aren't looking themselves in the mirror. And then all of a sudden, we'll start prophesying all the problems and issues. Very rarely did Jesus talk about the problems and issues. Yes, he did through words of knowledge to the woman at the well. Oh, Paul did through Ananias and Sapphira. That'd be a bad thing to, to steal God from his rewards, his monies. Didn't work good for them. Well, they were stiff, naked people. Actually, they were stiff, period, because they died. You're not here to change me. I'm not here to change you. We're here Sunday mornings to be a family. And through the family of love, we change. You do change me. When we gather together, I change. Absolutely. But we have to make sure. Because our gifts, they're actually they actually weren't given to be gifts used in a church service. They were actually gifts given to be used out those doors. But what happens is people are too nervous to use them out there. So they want to use them in here. It's a safer environment. But that doesn't actually take a lot of faith. But you don't understand. I'm stepping out. I'm being bold right now. Praise God. That's what you were supposed to be anyways. No, but you don't understand. I'm shy. But yeah, that's not what you're called to be. Of course we want the power of testimony. But I personally believe we go to school and training to raise up our gifts. We have Kinder Culture Nights. We have, we're starting up probably the School of Supernatural Ministry again. That's where we practice our gifts. 
And so we feel comfortable utilizing them out there. But if we just practice them with a group of people we trust and never take them outside, then you'll never experience the power of the gift because it's less risky to do it inside than it is outside. But if you do it inside, your testimony of the gift is also weaker. The strength of the testimony is when you do it outside those doors and it changes and transforms lives. We have a, we call it an open mic. It's sort of open. A lot of churches quit doing it. They don't do it as they grow because some people it offends. The reality is, is this. This open microphone, if you have a word during worship, bring it to one of the team. But this isn't a right. This is a privilege. I don't have the right to preach. I have a privilege of preaching in this house. Oh, you can say, but you're the founder. You're the president of the whole ministry. You have all the right in the world. Actually, no. I look at it as a privilege every time I strap this earpiece on and I get onto this platform. When I'm studying for what to share, I look at it as a privilege, God. Because I actually don't see myself worthy enough to do it. Oh, I would be very easy to convince myself I deserve it. But you see, as I grow older in God, I realize I only deserve it because of Him. But not because of my gift, but His gift through me. I don't deserve this woman as a man. But God says, yes, you do. And a person on the face of this earth that has changed me the most sits right in front of me right now. Not because I was bigger and better than her or am bigger and better than her. Because I've actually never lived with anyone this long before. So even my parents, I didn't live as long as I have. We got 30 years of marriage here. I was out of the house at 17. Not because I disliked my parents, just because I felt independent. That type A driven personality. The ones that have taught me how to father the most sit right in front of me and sit behind that camera right now. I didn't actually know how to father. I know what my dad did, mom did to me was amazing. I had a good model to look at. But they were still old school. They were born 1916 and 1918. They were, that was old school. They didn't have internet back then. I didn't even have internet. And so people will come and they'll say, Brent, you're gift. You're gifted. Actually, God is gifted. And he gave me the gifts. And I'm still learning how to use them. And I don't get it right all the time. But I know when I look at a young man, young people, 
that have the fire of God in them and the vision and the passion of future. And I look at these other people in this place that even through the tough seasons, the trials, the struggles, the persecution, whatever you want to call it, you always have the joy of the Lord in you. You're going for it. It teaches us all who he is for today in our life. And that Holy Spirit has solidified a guarantee that tomorrow's even better. going to finish the rest of the message when I get back in a few weeks. But I want to encourage you. Humbly accept the gifts and humbly use them for his service. Serve. Thank the Lord, all three children's ministry classes have teachers today. With a group this big, they should have that every Sunday. I thank the Lord for that. Serve. If you don't serve, and then you come with a gift, I probably won't honor the fullness of the gift. Because without service, how do we even know how to fully function and operate the gift? You see, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to ad lib, this isn't what he said. Hey, you guys are going to raise the dead. You're, you're going to see the dead raised. Your shadow's actually going to This is what's going to happen to you guys. And, and, and you guys are amazing. You're good. You're, you're powerful. Uh, I'm going to teach you everything I know because I know more than you do. And since I know more than you, I've actually come to bring my kingdom onto you. And you're actually to carry it throughout the world. Uh, and so get rid of your boat and fishing right now because you need to follow me. He didn't say that. How many of you know that Jesus had all the right to be prideful of his ability? Matter of fact, he was the best giftings I have ever seen. In the Bible, past, present, and future. No, he just said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he turned and he started walking away. But they had to sense something and feel something. Did they know their giftings? Maybe they all thought they did. Maybe they thought they were good fishermen. Some of the scripture says they weren't that good. Jesus had to come and say, guys, just put on the other side, man. Like, come on, seriously, you should be able to know that. I ask you, are you gifted? Of course you are. What's the gift for? Not you. speak a word 
people you don't have the right answer or you don't get the mic when the conduit's right God through it's always a culture of honor Some of you are weak and feeble because of the misuses of my gifts, says the Lord. I'm like, Lord, that just sounds like old covenant. The importance of our obedience is always rewarded. Looking at me a little bit limp and sad right now. It's not your normal uppity beat message. And this isn't any day that's normal. Because in his kingdom, the only thing normal is his will be done. Everything else is abnormal to the eyes of this world. But it's so normal in his eyes. And God knew your gifts before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows you. He sanctified you. And maybe everyone else in heaven knows your gifts more than you do. I want to encourage you. This week, pray. Pray to hear the voice of God. For your gift to be understood better in your life. And don't be offended. If you get offended because of your gift, you're going the wrong direction. Don't get prideful because of your gift. Wrong direction. Don't have your identity in your gift or you will get hurt and you'll be prideful. We have to have our identity in Jesus Christ. He has opened the way and turned on the light for us to have relationship with his Father. And his Father has sent us his Holy Spirit. So we will operate and function in advancing his kingdom on earth. His will be done in our lives just like it is in heaven. Let's all stand. See, the gifts are actually joyful. I've brought them with maybe a little bit of strongness on them today. Just because we have to all be taught. I have to teach myself too. People teach me. I listen. I study the word. I have a leadership team that speaks into my life. I have a wife that speaks into my life beautiful. I don't want this message to turn fear into your gift. What I'm praying is that this message will actually have your gift come into the identity God created it to have. Because if we have the identity of God in the gift, then I guarantee you it will manifest kingdom wherever it goes. It will manifest his grace, his love, his joy, his mercy, his long-suffering. It will constantly manifest in you that gift. Because the gift is to help teach us more of God. 
It's actually not just to teach others. It's to teach us first more of God. And how mighty and great He is that He actually loves me enough to give me a gift. And out of that love, I'm like, oh Lord, I just want to do it right. And fear of doing it wrong won't stop me. Because many times we mess up, we make mistakes, but if we continually make the mistakes, then we got a problem. You make a mistake, it's forgiven. Let's now move forward. Let's advance forward. Let's go after the fullness of what God has for each of us. That's our destiny. Our call leads us to our destiny. Our destiny never creates the call. The call will always create the destiny. The call that God has in your life, in my life, creates our destiny. And so I ask here today, Father, I ask, Lord God, that this gathering on Sunday mornings will be a time we come together as family. We come together and we praise you. We praise your name. We come together with expectation. Oh, yes, we're going to practice our gifts on each other. Absolutely, that's part of it. But those gifts were never to be utilized just in the church. Those gifts are to be raised up and equipped in the church, in the gathering, in the classes, in the teaching. To go out those doors. That every one of us become a gift to the world. A gift to the sinners. A gift to the miserable peoples. That we become a gift to help set them free through Jesus Christ, our living Lord and Savior. And so I ask you as we evangelize Alder Grove, Langley, as we evangelize our own workplaces, that you will give us the wisdom on how to speak our gifts that the hearts will hear. That the old big huge Bible smacking the people on the heads just doesn't work. That you have given us wisdom, Father, knowledge on how to apply these things. And when we come and we gather together, it's going to be a house of the power of testimony. The great things that God is doing. We've had some amazing miracles in this house. I tell you what. We've had some amazing testimonies. It's amazing. Some people are getting so used to the miraculous that they're no longer just always coming and telling us. We find out two, three months later that someone was miraculously healed two months ago in the service. I'm like, what? If you have a miracle, talk to us. It's the power of testimony. And sometimes that power of testimony keeps the miracle. So I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. It's your kingdom come. It's your will be done, Father. I thank you for the liberty already from the service. I thank you for the liberty of bondages as on health uh, did a transition. Father, I believe there's, there's deliverance already of bondages in Jesus' name. I believe there's already liberties, uh, deliverances of illnesses and sicknesses and liberties of forgiveness and restoration in many lives. Because, Father, we're choosing that today. And all the gifts that are represented in this house, every one of you have gifts given by God for his purposes, and I just bless them, Father. I pray, Lord, that all of our gifts with the diversities of them, we will all work together for the greater kingdom that is at hand, that we will all come together in unity with the diversities, Father, that gives us strength as a family, that we're not all puppets. We're diverse people. And I pray, Lord God, that the gifts that you give to us first will be used in our own lives personally. That your gifts given to me, Father, make me stronger and a better person first before I ever try to expand it out there. I ask, Lord God, that this place is in process of change. That this family will always be in a process of changing. It will always be growing closer and greater in your name. That, Lord God, that we will never, ever fall into a religious bubble, a religious set of rules. That we will never become a religious group of people that will not let our young people be who they're called to be. But, Father, on the contrary, we will be a family of diversity all on the word of God. This is our foundation, people. This is your foundation. This is my foundation. We're built on the foundation. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, built on the apostles and the prophets. And the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are equipping the saints. They're raising the family together to utilize our gifts, the ones you gave us give back to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen. amen.